We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Bible-believing Christians will overcome the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet at the time of the end. Nothing less than that. People enamored with this book. People who are putting their life energy to understand it. People who get here early to study it on a Sabbath morning. People who relish prayer meeting, vespers, anything that can bring them closer to the Word of God and to each other in prayer and Bible commitment. Welcome to Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will be here in just a moment with today's message. You know, here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is here now to take your prayer request. Today's Reaching Your Heart is the beginning to a message entitled, The Beast, The False Prophet, and the dragon on the last day. There's the beast, the false prophet, and the dragon on the last day. And we hope that you enjoy it. Remember, you can find the entire message without interruption at reachingyourheart.com. Here's Pastor Mike. Dear Father, I want to thank you today for Jesus, who he is, the tremendous gift of Jesus, and how we have no idea what it's going to mean to us as we near the end that our connection with Jesus is our very life. And so grant us a living and abiding relationship, Lord. May we know the Word of God and live by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Frederick the Great once said that every man has a wild beast within him. Now, women in the church, ladies, you can say amen to that. It's true. I'll repeat it. Every man has a wild beast within him. Am I right? There is. I tell you, my boys, when they go out to a mountainside, they climb a rock cliff or they go into a cave. They've got to overcome and challenge with engaging themselves. There's a little bit of beast in us men. Can I hear an amen to that, men? It's true, okay? Now, Frederick the Great meant to say that there's something in every person's heart that needs to be tamed and captured because it's wild. And that's why God made beautiful women to become wives to tame the beast of a man. Come on, right? It's true. Now, the Hebrew word for beast comes from the word for life. A beast is a living creature, a living creature. A beast in the Bible is a wild living thing that is alive. And you know, when you're really alive, you can be out of control with the life that you have. In Genesis 1:26, you know, these beasts that are alive and out of control have to have beast masters. So in Genesis 1:26, God told Adam that he would have dominion over the beasts of the field. We know in Daniel 7 that Jesus, as the Son of Man, gets a dominion over the wild beasts that symbolize world kingdom powers. So a beast must be controlled. Now, I love animals. How many of you love animals? Any animal lovers here? I love animals. I love animals, but I have never really been very effective at connecting with cats. You have cat lovers here? Well, I'm sorry. I can't connect with them. I have two cats named Harley and Ginger. Harley's named after Harley Davidson. Ginger was named before we got her. We've adopted both these cats. And they come up to me in the evening. I'm sitting in my easy chair, kind of laying back. 
enjoying the day, you know, working on my computer, doing stuff like that, and the cats will come up to me, and it'll look like a dog sitting right next to me, and Harley will look up to me like, pet me on the head like you would old Smokey who left the house. And I have to pet that cat like a dog. There's a disconnect between me and the cat. The cat will come up and it will sit next to me in my easy chair. I'm not kidding you. This really happens. And the cat will kind of like ask me to pet it, you know, by purring. And then it'll take its claws and put it right into my leg and flex. You ever had a cat do that? I mean, that's not a good communication between a master and a beast. I feel awkward because my cats are not dogs. I mean, I know how to relate to a dog. I have a very hard time relating to a cat. You can put a dog in a room with me, and the connection with that dog is almost a psychic thing. Now, my first dog was my best friend for many years, I have to confess. I found him at the city dump when I was a child in Appalachia, searching for treasure that was worth money. I learned the value of lost things at an early age. And when you are poor and you don't have resources, your parents are living on nothing, you learn to recognize treasure in the common things of life. So I named my dog Fang. Why did I name my dog Fang? You know, Tang was the breakfast drink at those days that took the place of orange juice. So I named him Fang after the breakfast drink for vampires. I had a morbidity in my thinking process at that time. So I took Fang with me. I took him to the city dump, and he was my buddy. We went fishing together. We went on hikes together. We would lay in the field. I remember looking up at the sky, and Fang would be laying and looking up at the sky, and he'd put his head next to mine, and there was a vital connect between me and my dog. How many dog lovers do we have here today? We have more dog lovers in the church than we have cat lovers in the church. Let it be noted. Now, Fang would sometimes follow me to school, and I would take him back home, and I would stay home for the day. It was a good excuse to skip school and go fishing with Fang. As a boy, I lived in poverty, as I said, and sometimes it got cold in our humble house in Galax, Virginia. We didn't have a lot of money for utilities, so we kept the temperature way down at times. So in the winter, I would open up my window, and Fang would be outside the window. He'd be looking at me like, please let me come in. He would jump through the window. He'd come and lay on my bed, and I didn't have to have an electric blanket in the middle of the winter in Appalachia. I had Fang with me in my room. Now, my former wild beast, Fang, became, as I said, my best friend. With Fang, I was never alone in the coldest night. Oh, dear friend, dear pet. When I left school at the age of 15 to go to Fletcher Academy, a boarding school, guess who I took with me? We packed Fang in the car. We drove to the car. I arrived the first day, and right there at the school was Fang. And the boys' dean said, well, we're glad to have you, Mike. Who is this or what is this? I said, this is my dog. We've signed up for school. You know, that kind dean allowed my dog to stay or I would have left my wild friend was my best friend, and I couldn't imagine life without Fang. Shortly after we arrived at school, Fang ran away, and I searched for Fang for many weeks, riding my bike all over the countryside, because I couldn't imagine life without the beast that was my friend. You know, in the book of Revelation, there is a beast that is very much connected to the inhabitants of the world. And most people in this world cannot imagine life without the friendship of the beast. We live in a time when people 
want to see their connection to the world in real and concrete terms. So in the book of Revelation, the beast power, which symbolizes the world kingdom order at the time of the end, the world is in love with the beast, connected to the beast. It is a union that God does not bless. And the first mention of a beast in the book of Revelation is Revelation 11, verse 7. The beast that rises out of the sea is pictured in the book of Revelation, attacking the two witnesses, which are the two lampstands that symbolizes the Bible as God's word. And so in Psalms 119, 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp and a light. God's word is that. And so the beast attacks the word of God in the book of Revelation. In the last days in Revelation 11, there are two lampstands that give light. And friends, I'm going to tell you right now, we need the two lampstands in our church today. We need the light of the Old Testament and the New Testament in our church today. So the Old and New Testaments are these two witnesses. And without them, we don't have the light of the world. Turn with me to Revelation 11:7. Notice the verse here. It says, And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that ascends from the bottomless pit will make war upon them and conquer them and kill them. And then it describes the Word of God being attacked at the time of the end. We don't have to go very far to recognize that we live in a world where the Bible is not accepted by the world kingdom system. I mean, you try to talk about Bible truths in our public school system, you can't do it. You try to interact in our culture, in the public sphere, and you mention Bible principles, and you are excluded. We are living in a time in which the secular world is hostile to the Bible. That started in earnest in the French Revolution. So what will be the attitude of most people in the world toward that wild beast that is at war with the Bible? This beast power, the Bible says, makes war on the Word of God. Look at Revelation 13, 4. It says, Men worship the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? I mean, so very clearly, here is a world kingdom system at war with God's word at the time of the end. In the Bible, the beast symbolizes, as I said, the world kingdom order. How do we know that? In Daniel 7, four beasts arise out of the sea. The sea symbolizes a sea of nations, peoples at wars. The wind blows on the sea. The wars stir up the peoples of the world. And four beasts arise. The first is like a lion. It's the kingdom of Babylon. The second is like a bear, a two-sided bear, the two-sided kingdom of Medo-Persia. The third is a four-headed, four-winged leopard symbolizing the divided Greek empire. And the fourth is a ten-horned beast with iron teeth and bronze claws that subdues the whole world. It is the kingdom of Rome. And ever since Rome, every aspect of the world order is in principle Rome. We are living in the end-time phase of Rome. In Daniel 7, 23, here's what he says. As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms. It shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it in pieces. Rome is the kingdom that crushed all opposition. In Revelation 13, the beast with ten horns that rises out of the sea, you can write this down in your notes, that beast is the Antichrist. So when it describes this beast coming up, and there are reasons for that, It has ten horns, and so it comes out of Rome. Like Jesus, the Antichrist beast that is Rome was given dominion over the world. Like Jesus, the beast has a father. The beast is created in the image of his father in the book of Revelation, who is the dragon, Satan. In Revelation 12, the dragon, that is Satan, has ten horns. In Revelation 13, the beast, just like the dragon, has ten horns. In Revelation 12, the dragon has seven heads. In Revelation 13, the beast has seven heads. 
The beast is the world kingdom order that was created in the image of its father, Satan, to rule the world. Just like God has Christ in his image to rule the world, we have Satan having put up the world order to take the place of Jesus. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said this, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. In Revelation 3.21, God allowed Jesus to sit on his throne after his ascension. God gave his son Jesus authority and a throne. And the beast we see in Revelation 13 doing exactly the same thing. So in Revelation 13 verse 2, take your Bibles, look at this verse. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's. Its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power, his throne, and great authority. Jesus came to earth as the Christ, as the Messiah. In Daniel 9.27, the prophecy predicted that for three and a half years, he would have a ministry on earth. He'd be cut off at the end of that three and a half year ministry. Jesus, as God's Messiah, built up his church for three and a half years. Now, the beast, which is Antichrist, for three and a half prophetic years, 42 months, which is 1260 days, tears down the church that Jesus built up. It tears it down in the Middle Ages. Jesus went to the cross, and he was wounded to death at the cross. You look at the book of Revelation, Revelation 13:3. the beast has a deadly wound, and that wound is healed at the time of the end. Jesus' wound was healed miraculously in the resurrection on what day? What's the resurrection day? I'm asking you, what is it? It's Sunday morning, right? All right, the beast has a deadly wound in Revelation. That wound is healed miraculously. And the Bible indicates that Sunday is the healing of the beast at the time of the end. So Jesus was healed when God called him back to life on Sunday. The mark of the beast will be instituted in relationship to Sunday, the day on which Jesus was healed. In Ezra 2.13, we have the number 666. We know in Revelation 13 that the number is the number of a man. It is the genealogical number of a man. You read that verse, and it says the sons of Adonikam, 666. And when you look at that verse, the name Adonikam, which is my Lord has risen in Hebrew, has tremendous significance because the mark of the beast is connected to the resurrection of the beast. Christ was resurrected on Sunday. The mark of the beast is tied to Sunday. And so in the Mark of the Beast issue, at the time of the end, the whole world will worship the beast power that persecuted God's people in the Middle Ages. The whole world will bow down to the beast power. Sunday will in some sense be the resurrection of the beast from the sea, and the entire world will be enamored with the beast power. The world, friend, is addicted to the beast. And so I ask you the question today, the personal question that deserves an answer in your heart without any compromise— are you addicted to the beast? Are you connected so much to the world in your life that you cannot separate yourselves from it? Are your affections on the entertainment industry? Are you glued to what the world says it can give you? Or are you enamored with the Bible, with the person of Jesus, with the love of God, with ministering in the church? You see, the question is not just a theological one. The question is not a prophetic one. The question is a personal one. Are you following the beast in your own personal life? You see, friend, there will be a people at the time of the end that are enamored with Jesus, that live for the proclamation of his word, who are immersed in the Bible, who reach out to their friends and neighbors to share the love of God. When the mark of the beast issue engulfs the planet at the end of time, the whole world is following the Antichrist beast. 
I ask you the question today, who are you following in your personal life? Revelation 13, 3, one of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth followed the beast with wonder. Jesus Christ had a forerunner. Who was the forerunner of the Messiah? You know your New Testament. Who was it? John the Baptist, okay? And was John the Baptist a true prophet or a false prophet? He was a true prophet. And like Jesus, the prophet John the Baptist, in the spirit and power of what prophet? Of Elijah. He came proclaiming the coming of the Messiah. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will be back in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Michael Oxentenko. He came proclaiming the coming of the Messiah. He was a prophet who announced with the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was coming to die for the world. It was John who said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He preached a prophetic message of Jesus. In the book of Revelation, there is a prophetic movement at the end of time, like John, that opens up the books of Daniel Revelation that proclaims that Christ is coming, that alerts the world to the wonderful opportunity and also the stern warning of the mark of the beast. And that is a prophetic movement. But you know what? There's more than that in the book of Revelation. There is a false prophetic movement, a false prophet in Revelation 19 and 13. And this prophet, just like John, is the forerunner of the beast. It is the forerunner of the beast, just as John was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And the Antichrist beast that is Rome, that arose out of the sea, that symbolizes the nations of Europe at war, a church-state system that desires to rule the world, there is a forerunner at the time of the end, a global superpower that brings the world back to the beast. The lamb-like beast, as you look in Revelation 13, is a Christian kingdom that arises at the time of the end, that exercises all the authority of the medieval church-state beast of Revelation 13. And that lamb-like beast, the Bible is very clear in Revelation 13, it brings fire down from heaven like Elijah did on Mount Carmel. Now, why did Elijah do that? You see, the nation had drifted into paganism. The nation had lost its moral alertness. The nation had become immoral, off the charts. And so Elijah felt the need to call that nation back to God. Elijah's name means, my God is the Lord. And so he built an altar, and there the servants of Baal built an altar. And the contest was a contest by fire. Whoever brings fire down from heaven, their God is the true God. And so the prophets of Baal danced around the altar of Baal. They were cutting themselves. Then finally the prophet of God kneels before his altar and prays to God that he would demonstrate that he is God to save the nation from moral decline. 
And fire came down from heaven and burned up his altar, burned the ground around it, took all the water away and licked it away. And that day they knew because of the fire that the Lord is God. You see, at the end of time, the lamb-like beast, because of the decline of the morality in this nation, the lamb-like beast will call spiritual fire from the wrong place to bring this nation back to God. But it will not bring the nation back to God, according to Revelation 13. It'll bring the nation to the beast power because this power is the forerunner of the beast, Antichrist. As John decreased so Jesus could increase, the lamb-like beast, that is the false prophet, will decrease in order that a world kingdom order might increase at the time of the end. John the Baptist was the prophet for the Messiah, and John died just before Jesus died. The lamb-like beast in Revelation 13 is the prophet for the beast, and just like John, the lamb-like beast will die with the beast at the time of the end. John came in the spirit and power of Elijah to call fire down from heaven. The lamb-like beast brings fire down from heaven. Look at Revelation 13, verse 15. And it was allowed to give breath, which is the Greek word spirit, to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast should even speak, and to cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be what? What does your text say? Cause them to be killed. I mean, if you think the mark of the beast issue is some fanciful idea of what might happen or something we say to keep ourselves alert, you're missing the point. Friends, the final test is a life and death test on planet Earth. Our very lives will be put at risk, and some, and yea, many, will die in the mark of the beast issue. When I look at something like this, I ask myself the question, if I'm going to be called to a test that means life and death, shouldn't I be living for Jesus right now? Shouldn't my life be ordered around the Word of God right now? Shouldn't it be right with God right now? And so Christians will die in the future test, but I ask you the question, are you living for God before that test? Some people say, well, how can I ever make it through the end? You can't. You don't have what it takes to make it through the end. But if you have Jesus, he will get you through the end. So the beast is at war with God's people who follow the Bible because the dragon is the beast's father who has always been at war with God's people who follow the Bible. And the Antichrist beast will have a kingdom power that is the false prophet. Look at Revelation twelve seventeen. The dragon was enraged with the woman who went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Friends, those who get the victory of the beast and the false prophet, that is a fake Christian lamb-like beast, they will keep the commandments of God, they will love Jesus because Jesus was wounded at the cross for them. You cannot follow Jesus and the world at the same time. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? You can't follow Jesus in the world at the same time. If you have a Bible in your hand, take it out. Take it out. Hold that book in your hand. Do you realize what you're holding is the greatest treasure that you can have outside of the personal presence of Christ? It comes to you through this book. The Bible is not some book that doesn't matter in our personal life. The Bible is the Word of God, and the Bible bears witness to who Jesus is. And the dragon hates the Bible. He hates the people of the Bible. If you don't have the Bible, friend, do you realize in a sense you really don't have Jesus? Because the Jesus you experienced in your life comes through this holy, sacred book, the Bible. 
Bible-believing Christians will overcome the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet at the time of the end. Nothing less than that. People enamored with this book. People who are putting their life energy to understand it. People who get here early to study it on a Sabbath morning. People who relish prayer meeting, vespers, anything that can bring them closer to the Word of God and to each other in prayer and Bible commitment. Unbelieving and worldly people who have no time for the Bible will worship the beast that rises on Sunday, and they will bow down to the image of the beast as they receive the mark of the beast. They will not follow Christ, but Antichrist. So you see, the Bible has a lot to do with this sacred struggle at the time of the end. Revelation 14, 12, here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. We find the commandments of God in our Bible. Revelation 19, 9, the angel said to me, write this. You know, write something down for God's people. Put it in that book. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, what does the text say? These are the, are the true words of God. You know, I don't have time to debate whether the Bible is the Word of God or not. The Bible declares that it's the Word of God. We need nothing less than the authority of God's Word in our lives at the time of the end. God's church at the time of the end will have two witnesses, the Old and New Testaments. The beast power will make war on the Old and New Testaments. The world will be enamored with the things of men, the philosophy and ideas of others. But God's people will be enamored with Jesus, the Word of God, and that which gives them life. That's the first portion of a message entitled The Beast, the False Prophet, and the Dragon on the Last Day. The Beast, the False Prophet, and the Dragon on the Last Day. And you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Thank you so much for listening today. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished that you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's last altar call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy. It's yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for listening. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. 855-888-4673 is the telephone number to call. 855-888-4673. Or reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for listening today. And as always, we do pray that God is reaching your heart.